Hey mama, I want to invite you to something. I am hosting a free anger management bootcamp on the podcast, May 13th through the 17th. Monday through Friday, there will be a new episode released teaching you where anger comes from and what goes on in your brain when you feel intense feelings, how to lower your stress and increase capacity levels as a mom, how to shift your mindset to align your actions with the mom that you want to be, and how to break generational anger patterns. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a day and sign up using the link in the show notes so you can get access to the episodes as soon as they drop and an email summary of the daily trainings, as well as access to a live Q&A call on the last day of the bootcamp. Invite one or three of your mama friends so they can learn how to manage their emotions well too. Link to sign up is in the show notes. I can't wait to see you in there. Let's get back into this podcast episode. Years ago, when I was a very young mom, I remember listening to a podcast on a radio station, local Christian radio station in Minnesota, and the podcast was called Focus on the Family. I just had my third son at that time, and I remember hearing two women talk on the podcast about triggers and motherhood, and their names were Wendy Speak and Amber Leah, and they were talking about how there's so many frustrating moments with our kids and how oftentimes as moms, we overreact in anger and frustrations and ungodly responses, and they they had a book that came out named Triggers, and they were talking about that book, and they were sharing about their journey as moms and one of them had like four boys and one of them had three boys which I really resonated with because I had three boys at that time and they were just talking about how to exchange your reactions that are hurtful and unhelpful to godly responses and they had lots of suggestions and I remember resonating so much that I went and I bought that book, Triggers. And that was one of the first books that I bought from Focus on the Family that I thought it was so helpful for me. So today I had the honor of interviewing Wendy Speak. She came to my podcast and she came to speak on the book Triggers. We walk through some of the triggering moments in motherhood. She shares some of her story and she gives us some godly perspective on how we can work on ourselves and invite the Holy Spirit into the process and not to try to do everything on our own strength. Her and Amber also wrote a follow-up book called Parenting Scripts and I will have both of those linked in the show notes and I would encourage you to go check them out. So without further ado, I am here to welcome Wendy to the podcast. Wendy, I am so excited to have you on Emotionally Healthy Legacy Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to it. You are a person that I think was one of the first people that I heard on Focus on the Family years ago. And when I heard you talk over there on the book Triggers, I'm like, I have to, I have to get that book. And it was one of the first books that I ordered from Focus on the Family that was a parenting book. And you are here to talk about triggers and motherhood. But before we get into that, I would love for you kind of introduce a little bit yourself. Tell us who you are, about a little bit about your family, where you're from, and you're an author and just like a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. I am. I'm a, I'm a mom of three teenage boys. So Caleb is 19 and Brody is 17 and Asher is 15. And when Amber Leah and I wrote Triggers, 
and she has four boys, by the way. So we have seven little triggers between us that are all growing up now. And we were in the midst of those highly triggering years, whether it's why can't they get their, their shoes on and get in the car or the whining and complaining or, you know, the meltdowns and the sibling rivalry. And now we're growing into these teenage years and, and I, I, I'm learning triggers don't necessarily go away. They morph, (laughs) they change (laughs) as the seasons change, but the biggest change needs to be in us as moms and dads in how we respond biblically in a Christ-like manner, rather than react emotionally from our flesh, because it really doesn't help them and it doesn't help us and it doesn't represent God the Father well. So here I am with my with my three boys learning that what I said was true the seven or eight years ago when they were young continues to be true. And so my focus more in this season of my life has been on my sanctification because it's from that place that I get to invite my kids to join me in a mature and calm, kind, Christ-like manner. I think one of the things that really stood out for me in the book Triggers was that it was the practical application and -hmm. there was the spiritual aspect. And I think something that I struggled a lot on my parenting journey in the beginning of trying to do it all with my own strength sure, and with my own power, because I feel like there's some things that you can do on your own with your own strength, with your own mindset shifts, with your own habits and thinking patterns. Yet, I feel like what really stood out to me in your books is that you we bring God in and we partner with God and we ask him to step in into those parts where we are weak and we're not able to do it on our own. So tell me a little bit about like what brought you to write and partner with Amber and write the book Triggers. And then the following book was Parenting Scripts. Yes. So we were actually writing for a website, a parenting website. It was specifically for mothers of sons and one day the woman who owned the website, the blog um, said, I've got so many moms sending me messages, how they're struggling with angry reactions. I was thinking of starting a, a Facebook group. And so Amber Leah actually was the first to say, I can, I can help to run that. I know a thing or two about that. And then the influx of people, because this, this struggle is widespread. It's very common. Whether you're raised in an in a home environment yourself, your home, your family of origin, where you had a mom that was maybe explosive and you swore, I will never do that when I have kids. Or like me, I had a very calm environment. And then I had adrenal fatigue. I I had postpartum depression. I just simply wasn't able to cope and I was abiding in God's word, but where was the fruit of his Holy Spirit? And so I thought, well, I know a thing or two about this struggle. And so I went and and partnered with Amber. And um, what we would do is 
we would share some of our own experiences in those common triggered moments. And we would pray and we would listen and we would ask questions and we would share the scriptures and we would look to God's word and try to understand how did he parent us? How does he, how did he parent Israel? How does he continue to lead us in his loving kindness, though we can be a stiff necked people. And then it was one day in that Facebook group that I off the cuff said, what are your triggers? I didn't need to explain what a trigger was. And then hundreds and then thousands of people started responding, you know, this and this and this and this and this. And the next day, Amber went and took comment number one and just addressed that trigger. Not how do we get our kids to do what we're asking them so we don't have to be triggered, but in light of God's word, why are we triggered in that scenario? In light of God's word, how should we respond in that scenario? And then the next day I went and took comment number two. And then the engagement was so high and people said, could you just put this together and like package it up and give it to us? So it was actually a self-published book. We didn't intend to do it. God recognized (laughs) and provided for a felt need in our parenting community. And Focus on the Family invited us to come and share on it. And it's just continued to resonate with people. So the book is laid out in 31 common triggers. But one of the things we keep coming back to in those chapters is we have to be able to pinpoint not only what are our triggers so we can do something about it, but as we do something, let's allow God's scriptures to rewrite our scripts. Let's allow God's word to transform our words. Let's allow God's reactions to us to to shape our reactions to our kids in those triggered moments. And then from that calm and mature place, invite our kids up into maturity with us. Because so often when our kids do wrong, we respond in like, right? We do wrong. When they whine and complain, we whine and complain about their whining and complaining, thinking if we whine and complain about their whining and complaining, they're going to stop whining and complaining. When they slam the door and we slam the door, when they uh, melt down, we melt down. But when we start to mature with the help of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of his word, then we get to invite our kids up into maturity with us. And so that's how it came about. And it is a, I believe, one of those areas of our lives where we get to continually be transformed, continually sanctified, continually inviting God to grow us up so that we might invite our kids to grow up with us. So yes, the follow-up book was Parenting Scripts. So we don't just want to pinpoint where the changes need to occur. Once we recognize, hey, this is that recurring issue, then the, the, the quote that I love in Triggers is, figure out what you mean to say before you say something mean. And that really is the bedrock of Parenting Scripts. Okay, so screen time with my kids, that's the thing. Dinner time with the kids, that's my thing. Getting them to clear their plates and participate in doing dishes, that's my thing. Bedtime's my thing. Every time's my thing. So let's pinpoint the struggles and then let's very intentionally figure out what we mean to say before we say something mean again. And then in parenting scripts, we we actually work on 
crafting new scripts, crafting intentional new responses in those triggered moments. Yes, I I enjoyed both of those books. So I have a physical version of Triggers and I got an audio version of Parenting Scripts and both of them are so powerful. And And I really like that phrase that you said, figure out what you mean to say before you say something mean, because in the heat of the moment, from what I have learned, the part of our brain that helps us think logically and problem solve is literally shut off. That's one of the things that contributes for you to react and over-exaggerate and say things that you literally regret later. And you're like, that's not me. That's not what I really want to say. And then yes. and we end up actually saying sinful and hurtful things that, and the devil really uses those moments, I think, when we're weak like that to attack us and to to use those vulnerable moments to cause painful things that can really hurt our relationships. So yes, um, we, our, our relationship with our kids, our relationship mm-hmm. with our spouse. I, I love the term knee jerk. You know, it's those knee jerk reactions, but mm-hmm. I like to say that the root word of knee jerk is jerk. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> not only are we jerked around and we jerk them around, but we act like jerks. Mm-hmm. I remember going to sleep one night and my, my husband put his hand on my shoulder in a very, you know, non-sexual bedtime way. And he's like, mm-hmm. I just need to get to sleep because God's mercies are new tomorrow. And I turned to him and I said, yes, but I'm going to pick up those new mercies and I'm going to do the same thing I did today because that's what I'm doing every day. Mm-hmm. And that was when the shift started to happen for me. I thought if I'm doing, if I'm melting down every time they melt down and it's usually over the same stuff. So let's say it's sibling rivalry in the car, leaving the park, screen time, bedtime, dinner time. If I can say these are the recurring times, then I should be able to, with the help of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of his word, prepare a better response so that when those moments where I'm not able to tap into a logical response, they're already there. They're practiced. They're ready for me. They become these, uh, you know, they're these well-run paths neurologically. And my responses are practiced and ready. And then my kids anticipate them. Oh, that's right. When we're driving somewhere for a play date and the boys are having problems in the back seat, mom is going to find a safe place to pull over and wait. She's not going to nag us and berate us. She's not going to take off her shoe and throw it over her shoulder at us. As a shout out to my mother-in-law. <laughs> it's one of our one of the, the jokes about what she did when her three sons were having problems in the backseat of her car. We do these knee-jerk reactions. No, we have prepared better responses. When our kids do wrong, we are ready to do right. And the right thing is usually hard. And I have found that very quickly after I started having kids. And I think things started to feel a little bit more complicated when I had my third son. That's when I started to <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're totally I, I say that something broke. I, yes. I, like in me, physiologically, it feels like my ability to cope with stress broke at that point. And when I had my third son and he was little curious, George on steroids, he was two years old. And I felt I was constantly on guard 
I could never put my car down when he was awake. He would just get into everything. And then at two, he stopped napping. So it was just all day. What is he getting into? Climbing the counter, like making sure everything is locked. And he would still get into something. And he could open the front door, run outside. We had to make sure we had locks everywhere. And I ended up going to counseling to try to fix my child. But little did I know, a lot of the work was done with me. And my own rewiring, my own brain, how to think differently, how to respond differently. One of the phrases that I had to work on was like, when my child blink or when I feel blink, then I will blink. Like making a plan, kind of similar to what you say. Yeah, that's like the period. Yep. Yeah. When next time, it's not if that happens, it's like it will happen. <laughs> so next time when that happens then I will blank. And that is something that I work with my clients and coaching. We come up with a positive way to respond. How are you going to handle the situation? I like how you, in your books, you address sitting down with the kids and telling them like, this is the expectation. This is what's going to happen. It's what you can expect from mm-hmm. me, you know? Yes. So here's my expectation of your behavior. But when you do wrong, and you're going to do wrong because- We all do wrong and we all need to learn to do right. Here's what you can expect from me. And what a comfort to know that when I do this, my mom isn't going to nag me one day, shame me the next, yell at me the next, threaten me the next, beg me the next, try to reward me in right behavior the next, take away my screens the next. She is going to be predictably trustworthy, not emotionally untrustworthy. Mm, I love that. I love that. I love how you phrase that. So what do you think is the biggest trigger for parents today? I think that there are different main triggers for the different parenting kiddo life stages. But if I had to put an overarching label for myself. It is when will they ever mature? Now, this is true when they're two and they're throwing a fit over diaper potty training. And this is true when they're nine and they're throwing a fit over working on their multiplication tables or helping do chores. And this is true when they're 14 and giving stink eye and acting like you don't know anything. When will they mature? Because I'm done with it. There is this, I have already done my parenting. And so I'm at my wits end. And so my grace has run out. Mm-hmm. And for me, I have to keep coming back to the long suffering nature of the Lord. The way that he has persevered in his kindness. And I I love the scripture. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. But I think somehow that another lecture might get us there. To be a, a nag might get the job done. To be inconsistent with my consequences in the in the sake of in under the under the name of being loving and gracious, but really not following through with the expectations and those consequences. Maybe that'll get the job done. But it is kind, and you know, discipline is kind. It God the Father disciplines the child that He loves. 
And yet we think, well, maybe if I just show grace and don't follow through with my consequences. So maybe that's, they're allowed to melt down over broccoli at the dinner table and still get the cookie. Well, okay, this time, but remember, you have to have your broccoli. We're, we're, we're not following through. So regardless of the life season, like I, I have a 17 year old who's homeschooled and I have said by Friday, and he also works a lot of hours. He's a, he works the grab and go at a local grocery store. So he's got a full plate of responsibilities. And if he makes it to Friday and he's not done with his schoolwork, I have laid the clear consequence. You're not going to go out on Friday night with your friends after work because you're not done with your job at home yet. Mm-hmm. So you can expect this. You can expect these are the consequences. You can expect I'm going to be calm and kind. But I've noticed that, well, he really is working hard. I just want to show grace. Okay, you can go out. And then we spend the whole weekend nagging. And then he's upset he's being nagged. I haven't followed up. It's the same thing about the cookie and the broccoli. So I get to say in a gracious way towards myself, I'm not beating myself up. Wendy, you drop the ball. So I get to have a, a sit down conversation with my son and say, you know, that's been inconsistent on my part. So I really just talked about two things. One, I get exhausted that he hasn't learned it yet. I resort to inconsistency and being upset that he hasn't learned it yet. I get to circle back to myself. How could I help him learn it better? in a calm, kind, consistent manner. And then I get to hold the line. And then I get to respect that he gets to mess up the same way I got to mess up and still get to mess up with my heavenly father. And he continues to be kind. He does not blame me and shame me. I really want you to narrow down and talk about mom guilt versus shame. Because let's talk about when we try to do everything we can. We practice the scripts. We spend time with God. We have a relationship with him. And then we still have a day where we blow it, which we all will happen a day like that. I I teach this, you teach this, right? And I'm sure you had moments like that. And I feel like for me, I have this extra weight that I put on myself. I teach this, I should do better. And then I mess up. And so how do we deal with the mom guilt? Let's talk between the difference between mom guilt and shame. And then what would be something that you would speak to that mom? Like, how do we handle mom guilt and shame? Yes. Okay. The difference between mom guilt and shame. Guilt, feeling guilty for, you know, being unkind with one's word, one's words is actually an invitation to make a change, right? It's like, oh, I feel bad about that. I know better. I'm reminded of of Paul's words when he says, why do I do the things I don't want to do and the things I want to do, I don't do? Was, Was Paul not good and godly? Well, he was still a, a... fleshly man in the midst of a sanctification process that God was using. Isn't that true for good and godly mothers? Why do I do the things I said I'm not going to do anymore? I've already apologized to my kids for this behavior. And here I am again. What a wonderful opportunity, my friends, to circle back around and show our kids 
that mom makes the same mistakes and God's grace doesn't run out for her. And we have another opportunity to grow together. But shame, there's no hope in shame. Shame is toxic. Shame keeps us stuck. We know from God's word that there is now no condemnation, no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus. All of the stuff that should nail us to the cross has already been nailed to the cross through Christ. We don't need to get stuck up on that stuff. It is not who we are. Who we are is forgiven. Who we are is set free to mature. Who we are is set free to circle back around to our kids and say, I am still growing up in this regard. I have messed up again and my mess up hurt you. And I am humbly sorry. Would you please forgive me? I'm going to do something about it. So I've been thinking, what am I going to do the next time? I realize I lost it because I was exhausted. And just between you and me, I stayed up way too late last night. I did not get the sleep I needed. After you went to bed, I was on social media. And then I binge watched a couple episodes of my favorite show. I tell you guys that you have to turn off the TV and get to sleep because you need sleep. I didn't do that last night. And so when I woke up and you literally spilled milk, I couldn't cope with it. And I'm so sorry. So I'm going to get better sleep because I couldn't, I couldn't handle that. But first of all, I'm not making excuses. Would you please forgive me? So being honest about why we feel guilty and then making specific plans to change some of our behaviors, but also some of our practices that might set us up for success. Also remembering that we need to abide with God and abide in his word so that his his character can bear fruit in our lives. I had a mom friend named Angie when our kids were really young. And when I would spend time with Angie, she had this kind of lilt to her voice and she was always so positive and sincerely generous. And I started talking different when I was with Angie and the kids (laughs) and I said more yeses and I had more patience and kindness and I just loved being with Angie. And it was like Angie rubbed off on me. That is how I think about spending time with God in his word in this season of motherhood. I want God to rub off on me. I want to be kind and loving and gentle and joyful and patient, generous and consistent. And in my flesh, I'm not. And I feel guilty about that. But I don't need to be shamed about it. What we do wrong and what we can see we do wrong is actually an invitation back to Jesus. Shame keeps us from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Guilt is a reminder. Oh, that's right. I need Jesus. Let me model that for my kids. Hey, kids, not only am I going to apologize to you, I need to repent because of the kindness of the Lord. His mercies never fail me. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Watch mom. Watch mom go back to Jesus. 
And I hope that you'll also get to witness me not make the same mistakes as much as I used to. I love that. And I think that this is where we can give compassion and grace to ourselves because the devil, the devil really wants us to stay. He, first of all, he wants us to feel shame. He sends those messages to you that says you're the worst mom in the world. Your kids are going to grow up to hate you. You're not meant to be a mom. You keep messing up. That's not something a loving father would say to you. He wouldn't say that. So those messages are from the enemy. They're not from God. And the enemy wants to tell you, don't tell anybody about this. Like what, if you share anything, what are people going to think about you? This is so embarrassing. And he wants you to keep this. If you're struggling with anger outbursts, he wants you to keep it quiet. He doesn't want you to see. It's like anything that we keep in the dark, right? We Mm got to, we got to bring it into the light and it loses its power. I really think why that's why the book triggers and we have a, a study guide that goes with it. It has become such a resource for groups of moms to do together. There are a lot of women like, like yourself that have coaching practices or leaders at mops that say to a big group, Hey, let's go through this together. Join me in this Facebook group or come to my living room because it's just so easy to say, okay. In the couple of chapters we read this week, which is your trigger? What did you learn? What is your script going to look like going forward? Because we're all so hungry to let the light expose the deeds of darkness and be transformed together. We don't want this, but we we do. You're absolutely right. We we hide it away because very few places are talking about this. I have found that the women that have reached out to me, they feel so much shame. They feel so much shame and they have such a hard time even admitting that they are experiencing even moments of rage where they feel so out of control. Was there any moment in your life that you experienced maybe when your kids were younger where it wasn't just like, oh, frustration, anger, but almost out of control, anger that really brought you back, whoa, this is not okay the way I'm reacting. Cause I had a moment like that when my second son was born, he was colic. He was crying a lot and I was so worn out and I finally got him to fall asleep and I put him in the swing. And my oldest son was three at that time. And for some reason, who knows, he came up to his younger brother and he picked up his hand and bit his finger. And I I just lost it. I overreacted. I physically hurt him. I screamed. And then I'm filled with remorse for what I did. And I'm like, that was my first experience with, I would say mom rage, where I felt completely out of control. Now looking back, I know what contributed to that, but that was my big moment that really, really woke me up. And like, when I started to hear your book on on focus on the family, I got to get this book. So did you have any moment like that in your life where you felt like, okay, this is, this is big. Back to that, that night I went to bed and realized I'm going to wake up and I'm going to pick up God's mercy, new mercy, new day, same reactions. I'm going to do that unless I get some help. 
That was really my moment. It wasn't that I had done something big again. It's that I kept being so worn down. And I used to say that at the end of each day, I felt like I'd been in a battle. And I also realized that I had a victim mentality as though my kids were doing something to me rather than just being kids. So I had some work on me to do. Why do I have this victim mentality? I started saying, Wendy, you're not a victim. You're a mom. Now you might need to learn how to persevere in kindness in your momming, but you are not a victim. You need a mind mind shift, a belief shift Mm -hmm. in what this job is going to look like and what it's going to entail. And that's really about the time that I started getting proactive. And it wasn't that I arrived at, at the end of the struggle when we started ministering in that Facebook group. It's that I was ready to do something. And to invite the Lord to do something in me. And I think we stay stuck in a triggered mentality and space and triggers, period, when we keep our eyes on our children's wrong behavior. That's really what I meant to say about when will they ever change? When our eyes are on their behavior, it's not on our behavior. You know, there have been times where, or there were times when they were younger and I would go into their bedrooms and there's sibling rivalry and they're fighting over something literally, or just with their words or whatever. And, and I would respond with, like you said, you know, like rage, eyes, bulging, spittle, flying nostrils, flaring. And I pull focus. The focus is no longer on my children's behavior. Their focus is now on mom's behavior. So oftentimes when we feel out of control, like we don't have control to change our kids, we behave out of control. And so when you get to that point, whatever it is that you can pinpoint, whether it's your three-year-old biting the baby's finger or me just realizing when will I ever change, not when will they ever change, but when will I ever change? That's your moment to say, all right, God, I can't muscle through. I can't white knuckle this change anymore. We're told that we aren't to merely be believers of the word or readers of the word or hearers of the word. It's time for us to grow up and be doers of the word. And so we need God's word to shape our words. We need his scriptures to shape our scripts. We need to figure out what we mean to say. Before we say something mean again, we need to invite the Lord, change me first. And then from that place of maturity, teach me to invite my kids to join me in the maturing process, Lord. I have one last question. So what would you say to that mom that she understands that spending time with God and connecting with him and drawing near to him is going to benefit her relationship with her kids and her reactions. Cause I definitely see a huge difference when I started to get up in the morning before my kids and spend time with God, how I was handling my day with my kids. I, the tolerance that I had, the mindset shifts, the patience and the response was so different. And I 
that was in the season when I started implementing that when my kids were sleeping through the night, they went to sleep at a, you know, seven, seven 30, they slept till seven. So like, I had no excuse not to, what would you say to that mom that is reacting a lot is experiencing anger outbursts and she hears you speaking that it's important to connect with God. And she's like, I can't, I don't have the time. I can't, my kids are so young. I barely get any sleep. I'm just like, don't have a moment to myself and to even go to the bathroom in peace. And now hearing that I need to connect with God seems like another weight of things on my to-do list. I can't, I just can't. And now I feel like I'm failing again. First of all, the invitation to spend time with God is not a weight on your already burdened shoulders. It is the lifter of the weight. We're told in God's word that when we exchange our heavy weight for his light yoke. So Mm -hmm. if you don't know what a yoke is, like when pulling a wagon and you have two oxen pulling it, the, the piece, that wooden piece that fits over both of their shoulders to carry the load is called a yoke. And so imagine the strength of God being one of the oxen and you are the other ox. And when we are yoked with God, the yoke is light. We are exchanging the heavy load for his light yoke because he's doing the work. And so when you say, I'm going to spend time with you, God, in your word. Maybe I don't even know where to start, God. I'm a Bible believer, but not a Bible reader. And the last book that I wrote is called The 40-Day Feast, Taste and See the Goodness of God's Word. And it really is an invitation to learn how to spend time with God in His Word, because it can be very elusive if you've never been in the practice. But I want you to know that this is not another to-do list. This is the trick. This is the the way, this is the truth of what's going to unburden you. Jesus said, come to me when you're weary and heavy laden, I'm going to give you rest. So when you do that in the morning for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, when you say, I don't have the time, let me encourage you, pick up your phone right now, right now. Oh, you're probably watching this or listening on your phone. And look, what was your screen time yesterday? Mm. Maybe you need to do a, 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 a short fast from social media and say, I'm going to lay this down for 40 days so that I can get in the habit of going to sleep early enough to wake up early enough and spend time with the Lord. God's word tells us that when we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. And the fruit of his spirit in our life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I do want to know why he didn't start with the first piece of fruit is self-control because all the other stuff would be so much easier if we were just self-control. But you guys, this is not an elusive thing that we're too busy for. It is the key to life and godliness in our homes. And we are distracted by many things. So let's figure out what what what's distracting our days, our hours, our attention. Let's set that down for a short time so that we can get in the habit, a holy habit, um, of spending time with the Lord. I love that. Thank you so much for circling it all back around and just pointing everything back to Jesus and how spending time with God 
It's the mindset shift, not seeing it as an extra to-do list, but that is what is going to give you life and actually help you. That's the number one thing that's going to help you moving forward to show up as that mom that you want your kids to remember the one that is loving and kind and sets a positive example for them to respond in a godly way. So thank you so much for being here. It was such an honor to have this conversation with you. Where can our listeners find your books? Amazon's always an easy way to do it, but wherever books are sold. I will link that in the show notes. And Wendy, thank you so much for being here. I enjoy this conversation so much. Thank you so much. Sorry for the barky dog in the background. But... <laughs> yes, I just scratched the barking dog. This conversation was so good. Friend, I hope you found some helpful nuggets in today's episode. I am so thankful Wendy was able to come and speak life into us. If you are interested in ordering her books, I will put them in the show notes below. The two books that we talked about today was Triggers and Parenting Scripts. Those are the two helpful books that I want you to go check out. And I think you will find them a big blessing and super helpful for you. Also, if you are in a place where you actually want someone to help you through this, if you are struggling with angry reactions, if you're struggling with saying and doing hurtful things to your kids, if you're hating the kind of mom that you're becoming and you've tried the books, you've tried the podcast and you tried the free resources and it has not been helpful, I want you to know that there's hope for you. It is really possible for you to break these generational anger patterns and I'm here to support you. In January, I will be taking on new clients. And if you want my help, you can book a call with me and let's have a conversation about how I can support you starting in January. Hi friend. Did you learn something new or found value in this episode? If so, would you stop right now and share this episode with one Christian mama friend who has young kiddos and could benefit from this message? Word of mouth is the best way to spread the word and grow this podcast. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, would you please rate and review on Apple Podcasts so I know that this content is helpful and I can continue to create more episodes. This is really the only way for me to know that you are blessed by this podcast. I'll see you soon, my friend. God bless you.